you are listening to My City, My Health, the podcast. Welcome to the Healthy Project Podcast, My City, My Health edition. Today, I am your host, Elizabeth Dix, and I am a student at the University of Iowa studying health promotion and marketing. My classmates and I are supporting the My City, My Health conference here in Iowa City on Friday, April 28th. That brings University of Iowa and the Iowa City Corridor community together to discuss health equity programs and collaborations. If you're interested, registration is open at mycity.health. So today I'm here interviewing Dr. Lucas Carr to highlight his work in well-being and health equity. I'm excited for this conversation and I think you will be too. So first things first, Dr. Carr, tell listeners a little bit about yourself and what health equity means to you. Sure. So I'm uh, an associate professor at the um, University of Iowa in the Department of Health and Human Physiology. That's actually the title of a course that I I teach, um, but it's also the type of research that I do. I teach courses and uh, conduct research specifically in the area of uh, health promotion and planning and I guess the kind of the evolution of of where my research has gone, um, I started doing a lot of interventions for a variety of different populations. If the intervention is focusing on promoting physical activity, we tend to try and identify populations, targeted populations who would most benefit from that type of intervention. So some of my earlier work implementing and evaluating health interventions focused on sedentary office workers um, who spend, you know, upwards of 30, 40 hours a week at work while also sitting at a, at a desk or a computer. And so we, you know, I, I enjoyed that kind of work. Um, we, we learned a lot about what works and what doesn't work in that specific population. But I started kind of feeling like um, it wasn't really having the, the type of impact that I was most interested in, in, in making, mostly because most of those individuals who are working in those types of jobs oftentimes have a lot of resources available to them through their, through their work. I kind of felt like we were kind of, we were coming in um, to a situation and providing people who already had a lot of stuff with more stuff. And it wasn't necessarily just you know, the type of work that I wanted to be doing. And so um, a couple of years ago, I decided to, to work with um, some of my colleagues to create a new, what we're calling a collaborative. Um, it's called the, the Community Health Collaborative. And the, the whole idea of this is, is to provide health-related, preventative health-related resources to members of the community who don't otherwise have um, access to those types of resources. And, and also on the other side, to do that in a way that gets students involved and provides them with experiential learning opportunities. So it's a, it's a service learning type of model that others have, have used um, we're, we're certainly not the, the ones that came up with this model, but it's a really great model, um, I think, because it's, you know, it's, a, it's very much a, a win-win situation in which community members are, are getting something, hopefully, that's useful for them, and students are learning how to administer and provide those types of resources to members of the community. And by doing this, you know, the, the nature of this work is it requires our group to um, have a better idea of who our community is and, and where, where that community is and um, to do a lot of outreach uh, to ensure that we're, we're reaching out to, to those groups. So I found myself kind of making a lot of networks, connections, partnerships 
oftentimes with, with community organizations who were already embedded in the community, one of which is something called the, the Mobile Clinic, which is a, a student-run group that provides free health, preventative health services to the community. Um, and they actually travel out into the community. These are a lot of medical students who are providing you know, free cholesterol screenings and blood pressure screenings and, and all these types of screenings. Um, we have um, recently partnered with that group because they have identified um, health education, health coaching, health promotion as one of those services that they're not able to provide. And that just so happens to be something that our group does and focuses on. That's what we train our students to, to do. And so it's a nice, a really nice partnership with that group. You know, we have very similar interests, overlapping interests. And by doing that kind of work, I, I think that is how we can have an impact on improving the, the well-being of of the groups that probably need this kind of stuff the most. And, and that to me is, is what health equity is all about. Definitely yeah, I believe I, that that is a great learning opportunity for listeners. Dr. Carr is actually, uh, I'm actually in one of his classes right now. So he does good work. <laughs> um, and I'm not just saying that, but uh, what would you say for that community health collaborative is one of your favorite impactful health services that you've been able to provide to the community so far? Um, that's a good question. Learned is you cannot create, creating something like this is not um, fast. It's taken us a lot of, a lot of effort to pull together all the necessary people and resources to, to make this kind of stuff happening. So I kind of feel like we're just sort of scratching the surface right now on what this community health collaborative can be and, and what it will be. Um, and honestly, the a big kind of Kickstarter in all of this is when we, we hired uh, Professor Litton to be our internship director without having somebody like her here who has dedicated time to focus on you know, creating these types of experiential learning services, we, we would not be able to have moved this forward in, in any meaningful way. Um, but currently, um, we, we offer a couple of things. Um, one, we offer health testing to the community. So we offer um, like body composition tests through a, a machine called the Bod Pod. Um, we offer resting metabolic rate tests, which gives you a sense of you know, how many calories you're burning at rest. And both of those measures are really actually quite useful, both for people who are looking to maybe to lose weight um, and improve their, their health and their fitness level. And also for you know, the more performance-minded individuals who are looking to improve their, their fitness and performance for those reasons, that information can be quite useful to them as well. And, and this is a test that isn't commonly found. Um, it's not something that you're probably going to get a measure at your hospital or clinic. Um, it's, it's just a very difficult test to, to collect. But you know, that's an example of something that we, we do here. We've already trained students on how to administer these types of tests. And so the Community Health Collaborative is just about making those types of tests more available to the community and also training students in, in, at the same time. So I really enjoy that piece because I feel like we're offering something new and unique to the community that wouldn't otherwise exist here. The other program that we've really made a lot of progress on recently is our health coaching program. We've created a health coaching pathway in which our students can um, take the necessary courses and get the necessary experience that they need to become a certified health coach. And we've done this in a way where, um, and this is, this is like one of our newest things that we're doing now, 
we're, we're, we're working with our local healthcare providers and embedding a, a referral system into our electronic medical record system for a few clinics. Uh, right now, our family medicine and weight management clinics are the first two clinics that have kind of signed on to, to do this. But when patients come to those clinics, they are asked screening questions about, some, about their physical activity. And if that patient reports um, in a, you know, not meeting the physical activity guidelines, then we have a process in which we can connect that patient to a health coach that's, that exists here in the community. Um, and for anybody who is not affiliated with you know, an employee or a student of the university, because those individuals have free health coaching services that are available to them, um, if you're not affiliated with the university, um, those folks get connected to our community health collaborative and they receive free health coaching, um, up to five sessions of, of free health coaching with a, with a trained student health coach. And that to me is really exciting. You know, it's, it's definitely this kind of like this win-win model where everybody is, is benefiting and we're, we're learning as we go. Um, and that to me is, is really exciting. So I'm, I'm excited to see that, that program just continue to expand um, and ideally, you know, in the future, we would have just such a, a robust health coaching program that we can scale to meet the demand. Of if, if anybody comes to the hospital and is interested in meeting with a health coach to, to talk about their personal health related goals and, and how to achieve those goals, I think those services should be available to folks. And if we can meet that demand, then, then I think that's, that's a, a real win. Yeah, uh, I'm hearing there's a lot of good opportunities for people already to get involved. And you've really been in instrumental in bringing those kind of screenings and even exercise as a vital sign to the University of Iowa clinics. Can you tell listeners why exercise as a vital sign is important? Yeah, when a person usually goes to the hospital, uh, the first thing that they will measure is probably their height and their heart rate. And those are all their vital yeah, signs, their blood pressure. And we, we measure those on every patient at every visit. It's just the standard protocol. And then there is some value in those numbers. Um, we use the height and the weight to calculate body mass index, which is a just a number, a single number that is a, you know, kind of a crude measure of our weight status. And we make a lot of clinical decisions based on that one number. And in many cases, this, this number is not perfect by any means. For a person who is, um, you know, quite muscle bound and is, you know, maybe doing some resistance training and that kind of stuff, their body mass index number could be pretty high. And they would be probably incorrectly categorized as either overweight or possibly even obese. And clinical decisions are made based on that number. You know, that person could very well be referred to a weight management clinic for weight loss when it's probably highly inappropriate for that person to be focusing on weight loss as an outcome. So this is a case I think in which we, um, if you don't, if you don't measure things, then they don't get managed. And physical activity is, is a singular outcome that has been shown and proven to predict a number of chronic diseases. I mean, there's, there's like 25 plus health outcomes that are predicted by this one thing of, of physical activity, but it's a behavior and we don't measure that behavior in healthcare uh, very often. Most healthcare systems don't measure it. If you don't measure it, then you can't manage it. And so the exercise vital sign project 
is something that I did not come up with. The American College of Sports Medicine started this initiative years ago in like 2007. And the goal of this is basically we should treat physical activity as a vital sign, just like height and weight and blood pressure. And if we do that, if we measure it, like screen for inactivity is what we're really doing. If we screen for inactivity, then we should do something with that information. For people who are inactive, we should connect them to resources that help them make changes if they want to make those changes. Um, and so, you know, by, by screening for inactivity, our, our solution is to connect those individuals with health coaches. And so that's what we've done. So the, the screen the exercise vital sign part is really just kind of the first phase of this, of this larger mission of providing people the resources they need um, to, to take control of their health. Yeah, through your, I guess, initiative with that, how have you seen it apply to health equity in the community? Um, well, we're so we're so early in the process. I don't know that we have I have a lot of commentary on that. Yeah, what are you hoping to see? The goal will be, um, and we are, you know, as a scientist. So there's there's a there's a kind of a clinical side to this, I think, and then there's also a research side to this. The clinical side is you create a clinical workflow that doesn't totally disrupt what doctors are doing anyway. And that, that, is, that is one of the reasons that this doesn't happen in most primary care settings. It's, it's often viewed as just one more thing to measure on top of all the other things that we measure, which is true. You know, there's, a, there's a lot that we put on healthcare providers. But I think that there's, there's so much value if we knew something about physical inactivity and we treated that that, and a person does become more active, we know that that's going to resolve a lot of other health conditions. So that's the, the clinical side of it. And you could, you know, I think we need to understand both the, the efficacy of that approach. Does it actually work? Do people become more active and healthy? And does that save them, you know, healthcare dollars? But also on the research side of things, I'm working with a group right now where we're actually trying to make sense of those numbers. And it, it it's kind of like this back-end process, you know, every time a person has a, a measure administered, whether it's heart rate or blood pressure or physical activity, that data goes somewhere and it goes into a really large repository and it, it takes, you know, it's a complicated process to get that data pulled out um, and analyzed. But that's, that's something that we're working on right now. We, we've actually done this for the first time over the last two weeks. And our goal is to look at that data. And we have, I think like 14,000 different assessments that have been done. We need, to, we need to look at that data and understand who, which patients have received that test and, and look at, you know, from, a, from an equity standpoint, we can and we will be doing this, looking to see if there are any meaningful differences in the, the physical activity data for different subpopulations. And if we find that a group is at particular you know, risk for being physically inactive and having inactivity related health outcome like consequences, then it's on us to ensure that we put a real focus and, and put a light on that inequity so that it can be resolved. But you can't do again, you can't do that unless you actually collect the data and measure these things. Um, you do that and then you can manage it. So I think this does play into the equity angle because we're we're essentially just gathering the information that we need to, to, to address these things. Right. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's going to be very meaningful to listeners. Uh, 
I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Um, I know that you're right now kind of doing current research in the Vitalis study. Can you tell us a little bit what that is and how you see that supporting health equity in the future? Yeah, so um, so Vitalis is essentially, so I mentioned some of my earlier work was focusing on um, you know, sedentary office workers and, and really kind of hanging the argument, the, the rationale being that, you know, if, if you were exposed to high amounts of sedentary behavior, probably do as a requirement to your job, then we should provide some sort of opportunity to help those folks move more during the day. My, my focus has really shifted on, I think, populations that would benefit the most from these types of interventions and who are also looking for help in making changes. Vitalis is, to me, is just kind of a, it is our intervention that we've created. It is, it includes health coaching. That's kind of the, I think the meat and potatoes of the intervention. Our well-trained, I think they're well-trained student health coaches meet with patients um, somewhere between uh, five and, and eight times over the period of like 10 weeks. And we also provide each individual with some sort of activity monitor. In this case, we use like a Fitbit. Um, we give them a Fitbit monitor so that they can keep track of their physical activity and keep track of their sleep behaviors. And then we also provide them a lot of educational resources, things that they, they might not cover in their conversations with their health coaches, because health coaches are really about focusing on your personal goals and how do you achieve those goals. And, and that's important information. Some of the other stuff is, you know, they, people need to know, like, what are the, what are the recommendations when it comes to physical activity and, and eating and sleep? And so we have this kind of like three-pronged approach that all is part of what we call the Vitalis program. Um, we use the term Vitalis because, it, you, know, you know, vitality and strength and, and thriving, that's, that I think is, is kind of the end goal for what we're trying to achieve. In this case, our, our Vitalis study is, is focused on a specific population of young adult cancer survivors. And this is the first group that we've tested our, our Vitalis program on. Young adult cancer survivors are individuals who are, have been diagnosed with cancer between the ages of 13 and 39 years of age. Our study is only focusing on folks who are 18 to 39 because that's we feel comfortable with our um, delivering our health coaching program too. Um, but those individuals are um, at increased risk for a lot of different health concerns throughout their lifetime as a result of both the cancer that they've overcome and also the treatment that was required to overcome the disease. Both of those things can have a real, you know, a real impact on the, on the individual's system. And we know that lifestyle behaviors like physical activity, healthy eating patterns, proper sleep, these are things that can actually help alleviate a lot of those issues. Cancer um, survivors often report high levels of something called cancer fatigue, brain fog, a lot of things that just have a negative you know, impact on the body. And so this program, we're, we're testing Vitalis in this population, and we're hoping that we see some, um, we see that these folks are able to improve these lifestyle behaviors. But our goal is to take Vitalis and expand it to other populations beyond the cancer population. Because you could, you could probably make an argument that almost every clinical population would benefit from, <clears throat> could potentially benefit from improving some of these lifestyle behaviors.
And so our, our, our real goal is to ensure that we make that type of program available to as many people as possible. And certainly our, our focus, you know, the, as is the mission of this community health collaborative, we're really trying to reserve our time uh, on focusing on individuals who ordinarily don't have access to these types of resources. So, so equity is, is always, it's like, it's baked into our mission of the community health collaborative. It's baked into, you know, the services that we provide. It's also baked into, you know, the, the students that we're, we're trying to attract to come and work with us. You know, students who are, are first-generation students, um, students who are on, on the lower socioeconomic status continuum. When I went to school, <clears throat> there was a requirement, an internship requirement um, for me to graduate with my degree. And it was, you know, it was a really tall requirement. It was like 12 credit hours of an internship. And there were just only so many of those opportunities around in the town that I went to school at. And so I had the opportunity to go do an internship in another town, um, but it required, like it was, a, it was a big cost, like an additional cost on top of the already expensive school that I was at. Um, and I, I was you know, privileged enough to be able to do that, but not all students are able to, to take advantage of those types of experiences. And so I think this is another you know, thing that I'm excited about with the Community Health Collaborative. We can offer these types of experiences in-house here where students are going to school um, and, and hopefully alleviate and minimize those additional costs that are required for students to, to get these types of experiences. Yeah, I, I definitely know from personal experience the amount of opportunities we have here that are designed to help the student and not make it harder are really, really amazing. And when it comes to like health equity and having these opportunities is really helpful. I didn't even know a year ago that all of these things existed and being able to be involved in them was really impactful for my experience personally and being able to give back. Okay, we're going to start to wrap it up here today, but before we close it up, I have a couple more quick questions for you. So first, uh, what changes have you seen in the community in the last five years that you are excited about? That's a good question. I think more locally, I'm, I'm very excited about like the changes that I've witnessed in, in this department in health and human physiology. We're the largest department on campus at the university, actually probably the largest department in the history of the University of Iowa, which I think is saying something. And we have continued to just grow and grow and grow because more and more students, I think, like yourself, are interested in, in pursuing a health-related career. And it's just, it's really, I think, great to see so many students interested in, in kind of addressing that calling because there's just such a huge need for healthcare providers and, and allied healthcare providers in general. Um, and so that makes me hopeful that, that we're, we're doing our part at addressing some of those things. I think, you know, in general, I've lived in Iowa City for 10 years. And so I've, I've definitely seen this town evolve and grow a lot in those 10 years. There's construction at every turn. There's new buildings at every turn. I'm excited about some of the, the new um, markets that are springing up on the, on the south side of town. I'm, I'm excited about um, a lot of just different opportunities, different things that exist here. I think um, I, I didn't grow up in Iowa City, so I don't have a, a really long history with the town. But I just I feel like this town is continually becoming um, more and more uh, diverse, which is, is really great um, in a state like Iowa, which doesn't really have a whole lot of diversity. To me, that's a reason to, to be in Iowa City. This is, this is probably the only town in Iowa that I would, I would personally choose to live in. I think, it's, I think it's a great 
a great place to live. I like the just the energy, the the positivity that is pervasive in Iowa City, and so I, I think that's that's probably what I'm most excited about. And how can people support your work or get involved? That's a good question as well. Um, certainly, from the students' standpoint, which is my uh, one of my biggest uh, objectives. If any student is interested in getting more experience in, in this space, they should definitely reach out to us. Um, they, can, they can reach out, email me directly. Um, they could also reach out to Professor Litton, who is you know, the director of our internship program. Um, we wanna put students in, in places to, to get that experience and, and to be embedded in the community. And really, I think you know, the, the experience part of it we, you know, we have so many classes that students take and they, they hear, they have somebody in front of them talking at them and telling them how to do things or, or what things are. And until you actually experience those things, it's really difficult for, for students to gain any real perspective um, on, on what that is and whether they actually enjoy that type of work. We want to make sure that we have as many of those opportunities as possible so the students can really get an understanding of what this is and decide if this is the, the career for them. For, for folks who are just interested in accessing our services, <clears throat> the best way would be to go to our website, which is our, our Community Health Collaborative website, which can, I think, pretty easily be found with a, a quick Google. We offer health coaching, and we are always looking for people, clients. This is how we succeed, really. More people accessing these services is a good thing for us. We're not concerned with, with being overwhelmed. As the demand grows for these types of services, our natural response will be to train more students. We're actually limited. If we don't have people coming to us for these types of resources, we don't have anything to provide to our students. So we actually require people to, to utilize this kind of stuff. Come to us with, with any questions. We're, we're happy to provide help in the areas of health education, health coaching, health testing. Um, and, our, and our website is definitely the best way to, to connect with us. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I know I learned a lot about the relationships between students and the community, which is such a great opportunity here for us in Iowa City. And we'll see. I'm pretty sure we can put that link in the show notes, too, so listeners can go check out the Community Health Collaborative. Also, thank you, listeners, for joining me today. If you're interested in the conference, you can check out more at mycity.health, and you can also check out other episodes of the Healthy Project podcast, My City, My Health Edition, at that same website. So thank you. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time.